How you doing? How you feeling? I'm your host, Tony Miller, and welcome to Labor Pains. After 15 years in hotels, I was fired for helping a group of hotel workers organize. I started out as an overnight front desk clerk and worked my way up to the executive committee of the largest hotel ownership group in Virginia with a lot of fun stops along the way, including at Hilton Corporate. I know the difference between good owners and bad owners, and at Labor Pains, we think you deserve to know the truth about both of them. We hope you enjoy the show. Today, we chat with Anna Nowak, the host of the podcast, All Who Labor. We've linked to her podcast on our page at labor.gay. Anna is a recent graduate of Fordham University, where she studied theology and music. Her podcast focuses on topics that lie at the crossroads of labor, activism, and Catholicism. For those of you who do not know me, I am a proud graduate of the D.C. Catholic school system, 13 years of amazing religious instruction led by some truly magnificent clergy and lay folks. Am I a perfect Catholic? Heck no. But, at least in this lifetime, Catholicism is one of my key paths to understanding that all of us are spiritual beings going through an earthly experience. Here's something else I wanted to share about the church. After I had been fired and denied unemployment by my former work family, led by Neil Amin of Shamin Hotels, it was the Catholic Church, specifically Our Lady Queen of Peace in Arlington, Virginia, who helped me pay my rent and put food in my stomach. Thank you so much to Father Tim. The church has had its ups and downs over my lifetime, but for me, it has been the only institution which has always valued and cared for me. That's a true story, and like chess grandmaster Ben Feingold would say, truth hurts. I hope you enjoy our chat with Anna. Yeah. Uh, my name is Anna Nowak. I'm a recent graduate from Fordham University, where I majored in music, theology, uh, and I did the concentration program in American Catholic Studies. I host the podcast All Who Labor. Uh, in its first season, it looked about it looked at uh, the intersection between labor activism, Catholicism, and some of the recent labor issues that had arisen with, arisen with the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm currently on season two, which is looking at recent labor activity at Fordham University. And it's funny, I actually found your podcast. I listened a couple times before I even started about doing this project. I was at Mass, and I, you were in the bulletin. I was so cool. I was like, no oh. way. That makes a lot of sense. And honestly, like, you know, as a as a labor ally, rather than somebody who's in the weeds, I am very much I also don't know what a shop store is. So the, you're doing good work. And like, it's, it is important to have like, conversations that are accessible to people. Um, I, my aunt listened to my podcast, and she was like, yeah, I had to put it away uh, for a little bit, because it was a little academic. And I just didn't realize that somebody mentioned that it was nerdy in a good way I just didn't realize it because I've been around like the academic language and discussion for a while and it's important to like it, workers might not have that education they might not know about work like it but they should still know their right still unionized a lot of our people that might be listening to this or might be hearing about organizing down here with me they don't know anything about labor, but they do know a lot about going to church growing up. Uh, many of them, especially I think you know the folks that would identify as maybe part of the Hispanic or Latin community, they grew up some kind of Catholic. 
probably <laughs> more lapsed these days than not. Um, and I can understand that in, in a lot of ways. I, I empathize. But they have grown up with the tradition of the Bible, right? The, the Old and the New Testaments. Although I think some of these churches is more New Testament. They should, they should turn the page back and remember uh, how justice used to be doled out back in the day. So can you talk to me as a labor ally, but a, a Catholic scholar, it seems, can you talk to me about what it means to be a Catholic or a follower of Christ, especially at a Jesuit institution, and how that affects your sort of desire to be an ally for laborers? Yeah. I think one of the things that really impacted me, uh, one of the things that I really liked about Ignatian spirituality is this emphasis on discernment. Um, and I took a class about discernment as a part of the Catholic studies program, kind of looking towards what, um, you know, where your gifts are suited to the world's needs. Uh, and there's this emphasis on helping people uh, and being, having gifts that are, are able to serve the world. And I think careers can do that. And I think work can do that. But a lot of that's not how I'm sure a lot of people feel. Um, if, if you're being exploited at work, you probably don't feel like, oh, this is exactly where God wants me to be and what he wants me to do be doing. Um, like, God doesn't want you to be exploited at work. Um, and yeah, there's a whole uh, the you can look to the Bible. I focused a lot in my first season on Catholic social teaching, which is a body of, um, you know, people documents that talk about uh, social issues. And the real first one that came out was called Rerum Novarum in 1891 and was responding to uh, the exploitation of workers in the Industrial Revolution. Things were changing a lot. And the Pope was like, oh, well, we, should, we should probably talk about this. And it did. It, it touched on unionization and uh, the importance of workers' rights. So you have this foundational element um, of, you know, workers' rights with the church. And it, not just that, but like people spend eight hours of their day at work. That's too much time to just bracket off as something that doesn't have a spiritual element to it or doesn't relate to the, the loving relationships that we should all be building with each other, um, that doesn't relate to justice. It it, it absolutely does. And if it, so people spend like 80,000 hours of their lives at work, some bonkers number like that. And that's, that is a place where you can develop relationships with people. And it is a place where you can find fulfillment. Um, and it is a place where you should be treated justly and you should be paid for the work that you do justly. Um, you shouldn't experience harassment. You should like, work isn't something that should just be bracketed off. Um, and I think it's really important that we don't do that as as people of faith, but as uh, people of conscience in general. Hmm. Like, How is it that you even could think about caring for somebody else if you don't sort of feel that we're all connected through some sort of more spiritual way? What do you what do you think about that? In a way, I feel like maybe love is something that comes naturally to people. Oh, like certainly. even if you can't, you can't, you don't necessarily have that spiritual, uh, spiritual foundation that you can name. I think you can say like, 
oh, like it's it's just easy to love this person and to like wish their well-being. Yeah. And I do wonder if I, I I've been seeing a lot about like you know your the people you work with are your your friends or your colleagues. They're not your friends. And I I I understand that to some degree, especially with you know the way that uh, oh we're not just colleagues, we're a family. Like the way that can be used to exploit people terrible garbage exploitation yeah terrible um but you you don't stop being able to form relationships just because you're in a workplace um and you do have this connection with people uh just by the fact that you know you're all living in this world and if, if you're at work you're working for a common goal uh which is a really cool place to be in to uh, i i want to say I want to say it was C.S. Lewis. I may be wrong. C.S. Lewis, who talked about, um, see, this is the academic that. <laughs> I love that. We, we love C.S. Lewis. Yeah, you betcha. Let's hear C.S. Lewis, um, I think he talks about philia as like the, the, the friend, love of friendship, but also yeah. like of working together for a goal. Um, and it, it can be thrilling to like really uh, kind of have that synergy with other people and work together for a goal, that feeling of being on a team is pretty mm -hmm. awesome. Um, and, and you can maybe sense the connection that you have with other people there. Uh, and maybe work is one of a, a unique place to do that because you do have a goal, like a clearly set out goal oftentimes. You want to turn to unions, uh, which really focus on that uh, connectedness because it, it's not just working together towards a goal within the the job but working together for the livelihoods of other people um at lifting that up as your own which is one of the things i i was talking to a a bargainer bar, bargainer is that a word <laughs> sure, bargainer, right? we make up words here on labor fans we don't care um, for uh the fordham graduate student workers and she's not an immigrant student herself, but she talks about like bringing their needs to the bargaining table because when you're in a union, you are working, you're you're working to create a contract that works as best it can for everyone. And maybe that means sacrifices for some people, but like you are recognizing that you are all in this together, which is awesome. That's awesome. You know, I love the way that you explain that sort of filial love, and I. We'll, we'll, we'll say it's C.S. Lewis or St. Thomas Aquinas, you know, who's really saying. Someone uh, said it. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. And, and that kind of reminds you, like, you know, I think modern society out there will give you a million ways to tell you that you're nothing more than a an evolved monkey uh, that has some electrical impulses running through its brain. But, you know, a child can be like, nah, I love, you know, I, I feel I love. It's like, well, they're proof of our divine nature. They're proof of our being an image of God right through our through our higher connection to the to the source, you betcha. Well, let me ask you this. I went to a very secular institution. I can't point, you know, this this one, I can't, still can't point at my pen right there. They don't talk about any sort of way that a human being should give back to society. They're like, come here for the Ivy League education, go make some money, and maybe you feel like donating it to us, but we don't really care how you treat other people. We don't care about the fact that, you know, you're going to an elite academic institution and you probably ought to do something good with your life from it. I don't know, maybe. But my understanding is that schools like Fordham or Georgetown, they do have an emphasis on social justice that they try to deploy to everyone who's a student there. What, what's your experience with that been like? 
Yeah, I I think it's tragic that any school that doesn't emphasize giving back, not just to your school and monetary donations, but to society at large, like that that's what life's about is is doing and being good. Um, so that makes me a little sad. Um, I think yeah, Jesuit in, uh, institutions. There there are a couple of Jesuit. Uh, phrases that get thrown out, um, like contemplatives in action. So being thoughtful, uh, but also, you know, working for, for change in the world, uh, being men and women for others. It has recently been uh, changed to men and women for and with others. So focusing more on the, the solidarity and trying to steer away from some of the patronizing feeling that, that can come up with that. Um, but yeah, there is this emphasis, and I I think I particularly experienced this as a theology major because I was I was diving into these questions already. Um, but that you know you you are you should be doing good in the world, um, and maybe your education is directly a part of that. Um, I actually just check out my first episode of season two. Uh, I, I talked to one of the women who works at the Office of Mission Integration, Vanessa Rotondo, um, and she talks about how, uh, you know, in, in her view, like if if your education isn't preparing you to go outwards, uh, if it's just education for the sake of learning content, then then it's not doing its job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think. We really should be educated, particularly in business, um, particularly for the future bosses of the world that yeah. you, you should be focused on on the human person. What is. It shouldn't just be on money. It can't just be on money because what what well, once you meet your your needs, like your necessities to survive, which is good. <laughs> surviving is great. Living is great. Um, but like once you get beyond that point, like how much money really worth what do you get the sense of maybe peers of yours uh maybe not in theology maybe just having attended fordham with you and you know, maybe you didn't go to all the classes together but you certainly i'm sure made some friends outside of theology maybe in music right what's their perception these days on a new york city college campus about what it means to have a solid great education from a you know a very well-known respected school like fordham and what's their obligation as they sort of become adults in the workplace? That is a good question. And it's one that I can only speculate on. Sure. Because I did spend a lot of time in the theology sphere. I think my generation has a very strong um, instinct for social justice, uh, an instinct to enact change in the world. Um, I I don't think that's much of the time. I don't think that's based in a uh, religious sentiment. Um, I also think that sometimes it can be more about taking a side, um, mm. the need to take a side or or to feel like you're a part of something. At the same, like which is which is sketchy. At the same time. If if what you're taking a side on is like, hey, we should stop climate change, there are worse things than that. Um, yes. 
I, I do think there is this sense that, man, we, we should care about people. Um, it's We shouldn't exploit people. We should make sure that people's needs are being met. I remember I went to a, um, a Sunrise Movement meeting, um, which is a, I think it's like a youth-led climate change meeting. And I, I decided that it wasn't quite for me, just the way that they were uh, explaining things. But it, it was very focused on, okay, we're talking about climate change, but really more than that, we want this to be an inclusive community. We want um, to ensure that it is an anti-racist community and that the world that we're trying to create together is one that values uh, black and brown lives. Uh, we want, they, they mentioned where we want there to be good union jobs. I was like, oh my gosh, I, I, I was kind of unprepared for it. And on one level, it, it did feel like it could have been just like, okay, these are the things that I've heard we're supposed to say. Um, but at the same time, they are like, there's this vision of a world where people are valued, um, where, where people are really cared about and treated decently that, and, and maybe, I don't know, a mix of cynicism and, and hopefulness that Gen Z can bring. Um, and also like ironic absurdity, because that seems to be our sense of humor. Um, I, I don't want to say that climate change is not a big issue, because it very much is. And as, as a Gen Z person, like I think we're particularly attuned to that. But I think there is so much room um, for people to do different work. And I think labor is one of those things that gets pushed by the wayside. When if you like look at something like greed and, and tackling, you, you know, the spiritual poison of greed, if, if you combat this mindset that we just have to keep on making things and we just need more, you're probably going to help the environment and you're probably going to help people at the same time. And I think those solutions are amazing uh, and, and we should be working on those. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree with you more, Anna. If you tackle um, well, I guess it, you know it had been historically called the seven deadly sins. Although I, I think that's more of a an anecdotal kind of a thing. I'm not going to lean too heavy into that. But yes, if you cured those mindsets in human hearts and minds, climate change issues would be resolved. Poverty and other sort of symptomatic issues of greed and fear would be resolved. There's no doubt about that. I think you're absolutely right. So my question for you is, if you were could say something to a worker right now who thinking about unionizing, or, or maybe they've been hearing a lot of bad stuff about union. That's probably more accurate. You know, they might have heard one one thing good about a union, but then the boss um, who, you know, sends his henchman in and goes, say every bad thing you can about a union. What does somebody like Anna, who is not in a union, who is not, a, you know, organizing a union, but who is a, a, a lay ally for those folks who labor, what would you say to them? I would say you you shouldn't be mistreated at work. Um, you deserve a fair pay. And maybe unionizing isn't just for yourself with the people around you. Working for that common goal and that filial love together. First off, you might find more fulfillment than you do at your job. Um, but also, it it is important that you get paid early. Um, that, that matters a lot. And if you're Catholic... Uh, check out uh, church teaching on unionization if if you're worried about that in any sense. Um, but you you deserve to be treated fairly at work. Anna, thank you again for coming on Labor Pains and chatting with me. I think it is so important to remember that the labor space is filled with allies from all walks of life, 
and one of Labour's strongest supporters has always been the church. I know that a lot of folks who Labour grew up being forced to go to church, and I hope this episode reminds them that at its best, our churches and faith leaders have been and always will be supporters of those who labor. So please, please, please check out Anna's podcast, All Who Labor, on your favorite podcast platform. We hope you enjoyed the show today. And remember, you have far more power than you think you do. When I was a junior in college, I had the opportunity to visit a sister college of ours, home of the best business school in the world, according to many folks who definitely do not labor. In fact... Both the cowardly CEO who fired me for helping workers organize and your favorite president of all time, you know, the dude with the hair like mine, both went there. A guest speaker, an executive at one of the most powerful investment banks in all of New York City, taught us something that I would never forget about solidarity. You see, this is you and this is the boss. Hmm. This is your friend versus the boss. Done. But when you stand together, you are unbreakable and unstoppable. Your time is now. And if you need help getting organized or want to share your story about labor, go to labor.gay and click on connect with us. We will get back to you ASAP and we can help you get organized to build the future you deserve. Thank you again for watching Labor Pains. I'm Tony Miller, wishing you love and solidarity.